You're listening to Fresh Out of Experts. A show that mines the rich archive of Reddit to supply you with advice on dating, relationships, and love. My co-host Eleanor and I are not experts. We're merely people who survived dating in our 20s and 30s. Now that we're married, we want to share what we've learned. In each episode, my co-host Andy and I tackle the most common, comical, and when we're lucky, outlandish questions from r slash dating and more. So find a comfortable chair, pull on a warm sweater, and sip your favorite beverage while you listen to us dig into the stickiest dating questions the internet has to offer. Um, so can, I, I, can I ask you to do something? What if is you're going to drink that, you, you can't keep put it, putting it back on that plate. Yeah, I, w- I won't. I'm going to put, as soon as I, I'm going to put the, uh, the tea back on that plate. Right. But you did just put it back on that plate. So how would I, I have known that? I, you didn't. You didn't. I'm just reassuring you that I'm not going to put it back on the plate. Last time I, we had tea when we were doing the podcast, it didn't. Didn't go well. Didn't go well. And right now, Andy is drinking tea that apparently has a ton of loose. There's so much stuff in here. Stuff in there. I don't know how that happened or why. Because I chopped up a bunch of ginger and put it in here and it's floating to the top, which I thought it wouldn't do. Wouldn't be a podcast if I wasn't picking ginger out of my mouth while we're. It's disgusting. I'm watching him like drink a cup, like a sip of tea, then pick ginger from his mouth and then. It's beautiful. (sighs) So one thing I was thinking about is we talked the other day about our pre-podcast ritual, which is, for me... Don't worry, don't worry folks. Involves There's more ginger. Pick, picking ginger out of my mouth. Uh, no, it. Uh, my pre-podcast routine is to do push-ups, do some stretching in general. Also drink water so I stay hydrated during the podcast so my voice isn't like dry. But more or less, I want to bring some energy and like kind of drum up some energy before we come up here so I can be light and fun and energetic. What I have to, which, which got me thinking about pre-dating rituals. When you were. Mm, interesting. When you're in your dating life, did you have any like things you had to do before you could go on a date? I mean, every woman that I know wants to look good maybe on a first date. Sure. Grooming, of course. So, I, I mean, wearing something comfortable that makes you feel confident and like feeling like your hair and makeup present the best attractive version of yourself. Which for me, like I have naturally curly hair and for a long time, probably until very recently, even though I wore it curly, I definitely felt like my hair straightened was a better. Which is so funny to me. So it was like, I was like, oh, that's the more attractive palatable to the opposite sex version of my hairstyle. So I would straighten my hair. I totally get that. You first of all, you had straight hair during your our first date. I love, I've now would say unequivocally that I like your hair better curlier, but I wonder what I would have said when we first started dating. Yeah. Although with that being said, when your hair's long, it actually, I think looks better straight. When it's short, it looks better curly. Wow. He's coming in with some like bold statements about what you find more appealing. I mean. Is that a problem? It's just like, like I'm growing my hair out right now. So it it feels a little bit like, great. So I'm going to grow my hair out. And every time I wear it curly, he's going to be like, it looks better straight. Yeah, but you don't think of that now when I, when you wear it straight? Yeah, I do. Just because I don't do what you, like, I, I don't like. No, but you, when you wear it straight, you're not like, oh, Andy's not going to like it because it's not Yes, curly. I do. Yeah. Oh, you, you, do? you actively tell me you like it's curlier. So it's like, obviously, I do know that about you. And I know that. And yes, it will linger for me and make me feel a little insecure. And I'm like a big enough adult to not 
wear things or my hair or my makeup to please you. How about you? Is there anything that you did that was like a pre-date ritual? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so make my bed, try and spruce up the apartment a little oh, bit. Oh, wow. I had not even considered that as like, well, this is difference between guys and I gals. I know. That's so funny. We show our worth in different ways, or at least society tells us we need to well, show I'm our like, worth I guess in different ways. Maybe some of my girlfriends did make sure their apartment was in, was tidy in case someone came home. Guess but what? like, I never did that. If you're bringing a man home and offering up the nana, they don't care how dirty your house is. Please. I don't. Never in the history of this relationship or podcast ever say the word nana ever again. <laughs> Why not? Because that is just the I don't have any patience. <laughs> I don't for even that. know if that's a slang term for <laughs> vagina. I think I just made I that up. I don't appreciate it, and TM. I am not Can endorsing I put it. a little TM on Absolutely that? Not we're cutting this. No, sure. no, we're definitely not cutting this. This is this is my good stuff. Oh, God. This is my fastball. If there was a chance that they were going to be in my car, I'd maybe clean my car a little bit, which is... Any version of Andy saying he may have cleaned his car was like, he would make sure there were not dead rodents I'd stuck in I maybe the, vacuumed he, the disgustingness. No, no, you wouldn't. If you're, if you did the that... The last time I cleaned my car was probably like... When we were A couple dating. weeks into us dating, so... <laughs> We've been together for four years. Yeah, well, I had, I stopped cleaning my car oh. once I stopped going on first dates. Well, it wasn't clean then, hon. So if, was, if, if, if mean, that was your outs- version Not of the clean- outside ever. N- neither, neither. <laughs> I did not get in that truck at any point in our relationship and think, oh, this is a nice clean truck. I'm trying to think what there's a, grooming stuff, not necessarily just try and wear like an outfit that I liked and I felt represented my style, I think was important to me. Yep. What were you wearing on our first date? A sort of canvasy duck canvas shirt from uh, Patagonia. I'm wearing the jeans that I think I was wearing. And then I was wearing cowboy boots, which I think got you pretty excited. Well, that's that's one of the things that's interesting because you wore cowboy boots. We live in Seattle, Washington, <clears throat> and I don't feel like that's a super common. You don't have to feel it. It's just not a thing that people do here. And I am a from Colorado. A lot of people I grew up with wore cowboy, cowboy boots. And B, I love Western where I'm really attracted to that. It was true to me. Um, yeah, I, I think that was a, you know, like that to me is a great tip. I think too, is like not wearing my hair curly. was just like, not a great thing to do. Even if you are being authentic to yourself, it's not like I was openly farting in the middle of the, <laughs> right. Or no, like that's fair. Dropping, but I like dropping heinous have, terms like na na and I have really curly hair and you fart a lot. So like we ha- like, that's re- like, there was no way so that like, I think I would approach it differently if I were to start dating again now. That makes sense. I mean, I think also being in a long-term relationship and getting married to someone makes you more confident in who you are. If I'm not, I don't need to be outrageously myself the first day, but if I'm not your flavor, if you don't find me attractive and sort of like what I wear and how I style my hair and like the amount of makeup I put on or don't put on, that's a really good indication that like maybe I'm not a good fit for you. And I don't need to do a five dates on your behalf at like trying to seduce you. Sure. Are you aware of the like, this is a phenomenon that I'm very aware of, but I wonder if women understand this or or know this, which is the girlfriend confidence phenomenon. I don't know what that's referring to. So in our society, it's not that common that like people tell us we're good looking or that we look good in certain things or that's just very rare. Even if you are a good looking guy, I think it's pretty rare. Sure. So that is a thing. And then what happens is if you get in a relationship the person that you're with loves you and tells you frequently that you are attractive. Hopefully. But there is like this amazing thing where like guys in relationships get this 
a lot more confidence about the way they look and think that they can achieve something that perhaps they can't out in the open market. Oh, you and think that they like get this inflated sense of self by being in a relationship and somebody confirming being attracted to them on a regular basis. And then they're like, can I trade this in for a better model? Yes. And yeah, that's a bummer. And they think when their relationship, they may break up with the person and be like, now I'm just going to be, I'm on the open market, getting Look, so remember, much like, sex because these, I've got all this these confidence women are going to flock to me because I'm that like, great of a guy. It's a bell curve. You know, it's like, it just like, it, it, it bottoms out really quickly. <laughs> have it's, you had friends who have done this? Like you have examples oh, of in course. your life? Okay. And the biggest one is the, we should be in an open relationship one. Guy's a little sick of hooking up with just his girlfriend. We should be, we should, we should, get on we should open TikTok. up, we should be progressive people and open up our relationship. And what happens like text textbook is the girl finds a date in one hour and the guy goes out into the open world, open market and gets pummeled. Annihilated. And then the guy very quickly is like, we should close back up. We should just be exclusive again. I've seen it happen several times. I even went on a date with a woman who her boyfriend told her they should open things up. So she was trying it and went on a date with me. And then I. Did you call bullshit on that? In I date? told her what was going to happen. Yeah. Just like I'm telling you now. So you were candid with her. Like, this is how yeah. this is going to go down. Yeah. You too. And then I asked her out on a second date because it went well. It was a fun date. And we, I, I, I liked her. And I called her again. And she was like, look, my boyfriend thinks that we <laughs> should go back to being monogamous. <laughs> my boyfriend is not getting laid. Yeah. So and I'm I was gonna, like, I told you this was yeah, going to happen. Yeah. Like, he thought he was just going to go slay Denver and went out into the open market and was like, oh, this is fucking way harder than I thought it would be. Let's get into the question. I just want to, so this, this episode is going to be a little bit different. Great. Um, I'm, sw I'm switching up the format because the question cha is challenging. Oh, this is okay. Wait, can I just tell the, the listeners? We, Eleanor has been telling me episode five, we're going to have a fucking wild, like a really crazy question. Yeah. That's going to be super interesting. So, so is, get, get, our... pucker up buttercups. <laughs> this is the, uh, the season finale for season one of Fresh Atta. And so I, I saved the best for last. And instead of just reading the question in full to you, we will be, we'll be breaking it up into some chunks. Okay, great. User few underscore breadfruit underscore 185, a 27 year old female from let me add an account that has since been deleted off of Reddit. Perfect. She writes, a 25-year-old man and I have been seeing each other casually. Not seriously, since he recently told me he just wants to be friends. He said, who knows? Maybe in the future we would want he would want a relationship, and I really enjoy his company beyond sex, so I agreed to this arrangement. It is extraordinarily rare to have a friends with benefits situation where both parties are on the same page and want the same thing. I will say that it's incredibly where out of, out of every 10,000 friends with benefits situations that, that works. organically grow upon us on the soils of the U S one of them works. Okay. Hold on to your skivvies. This is going to be a longer passage. We went out of town together last weekend because I told him I had a room and some friends that would be down to turn it up. He was going to bring another person and I was going to meet a friend there, but last minute his friend couldn't come. He still agrees to go with me since I already paid for the room. 
When we get there, my friend is MIA, not responding or anything. We're in the hotel room getting ready to go out. It's Saturday night and it's just us and the topic of if I meet a guy and want to have sex comes up. He says it's cool with him and just to text him and he will sleep in the car. This rubbed me the wrong way, so I responded by telling him in a joking manner that if he finds a girl and goes home with her, then he can call someone else to come pick him up. He looked at me with a surprised face and reiterated that we're not in a relationship. I said, okay, whatever. <laughs> I said, okay, whatever. A woman saying, okay, whatever is like a short story. Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> there's so much subtext in there. We go out, get pretty drunk. He bought me a few drinks, surprisingly. And at one point I try to dance with him and he says, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> I immediately get upset and walk away from him and go do my own thing. He later comes looking for me to make sure that I'm okay. I had met a group of random girls to talk to. Later, he says that he couldn't get any girls because I was, quote unquote, standing next to him all night. But he claims he saw plenty of men come up to me, so I don't see the issue. What do you think of uh, this weekend excursion idea? I mean, I think it's a bad idea. So I do have one question. is like, are they still sleeping together? I don't think Th they I are. I think that's the question at hand. It's no, they're not. Okay. They were together. So at one point they were right. sleeping together and now they are not sleeping together. I think that he said he just wants to be friends. So they have are now in the friend zone, quote unquote, which is why when she starts moving upon him in the club, he's like, I'm not ready for that. Like, I'm not here in a sexual relationship right now. It's sort of like friends with benefits is that they're not, they're not on the same page. One person clearly like would be down to have a relationship and one person just wants to be friends. So I think you just need to go your separate ways. I don't think you should be hanging out or going on weekend excursions to Airbnbs. She, it seems like she's interpreting this as like a brief pause yeah. on the relationship that they were building. And he's saying, listen, I don't want to date you. I just want to be friends. And then when it gets, she pushes the matter, maybe he discloses, well, maybe in the future we'll be in a position where we'll feel more comfortable dating. I'm not comfortable. If a guy willingly right stops having sex with you, you know that he is not interested in you straight the fuck up. Okay, let's keep going. So then we go back to the hotel and we just sleep after he got me a pizza, which was a kind gesture, not something you do, quote unquote, just for a friend. <laughs> The next day, I realized I lost my debit card while we were out because I was so drunk. I cash-apped him $60, and he withdrew it from the bank so I could have money for food and other stuff. Then we drove home. On the way back, he falls asleep at the one-hour mark. I start feeling sick, and I'm having anxiety, so I wake him up and ask him to drive, even though I had been feeling fine previously. We make it home, and I don't hear from him for the rest of the night. I start reflecting on what happened over the weekend and I get upset. So I pour a drink and text him that I'm done with this friendship. He responds by saying, quote unquote, good morning. And I understand. <laughs> I then realize maybe I was drunk the night before and acting rashly, which I tell him. And he responds that I need to stop drinking so much. This Bam. honestly makes me really upset because he drinks just as much. I basically say that I've been drinking a lot because I've been going through this shit with my anxiety and stress. Then, this is the kicker. He asked me if I've ever had therapy or considered therapy of some sort. The only reason I've been drinking every day is because he's been stressing me out, playing with my emotions. And then he has the nerve to suggest that I go to therapy. Oh, boy. That statement made me feel so judged. Like, he basically called me crazy and desperate and suggested I need therapy. Yes, I did say I was drinking due to my mental health being bad lately. But for him to say that, I don't know. It hurt my feelings. It made me feel a mix of embarrassment and judgment. 
This is my first time opening up to him about my mental health struggles. And we've known each other for about six months. So to get that response, I don't know how to take it or how to feel about the situation. My my initial thoughts on this are that you should not feel insulted at all. I think this person's coming from a good place for sure. Uh, you say that one, he is messing with your emotions. I don't think he's messing with your emotions. I think maybe going on this trip with you is a bad idea for him. And more importantly, he is telling you and he is asking you if you've ever seek, had therapy or ever considered it because he probably sees that there's some stuff going on that you need to work through. And at, at this podcast, at the Fresh Out of Expert podcast, we believe that therapy works for everybody. The other part is you're, you're basically openly admitting that you're dealing with your mental health problems with alcohol. I don't, I don't think anybody out there will tell you that dealing with stress and anxiety with alcohol is a good way to do it. Yeah. I like this brought up a couple things for me. I think one, I want to say this delicately, like this is a story that concerns me. It sounds like they're really struggling, but they're also creating dynamics that are perpetuating those struggles. Yeah. And I've totally been there. I have just a lot of empathy, but I am nervous for them because the state that I hear this person in like has not ever ended well for me. And so I have a lot of empathy for them as well. I think both of us come from a place of being in the same situation. The really hard part is, and I'm going to use a harsh word that is maybe seeming really judging, but it's not. I think I'm using it in a somewhat clinical sense is that she is in denial. Yeah. She is blaming someone else for their drinking. Nobody, you, you drinking too much to deal with your mental health is nobody else's fault. Don't think that you're a bad person because you're dealing with struggles yeah, with alcohol or at substances. Least one person on this podcast who has done this exact Yo, shit. Of course. I, I mean, I'm sober for a reason, not because I'm like, just because so well I didn't like the us. taste of alcohol when I was 15. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, um, I see, I see three things going on here, right? Which is like, there's, There's a denial around the relationship and the relationship that she's trying to build with somebody and the role boundaries play in relationships. There's a denial around self-medication and like the role it's, it's playing in her life. And then there's a deep just like distrust of therapy. The one of the things that was incredibly important for my success and healing was boundary setting and understanding boundaries when I came from a household where that was not clearly articulated or defined, a lot of the stuff I hear her doing is so similar to my the way I used to think about interacting with other people, which is like, they're trying to tell me something else than what they're telling me. They're going away on a vacation with oh, me. People in, in sorted relationships do that all the time. Yeah. And, and it's like, They've set a boundary. We're just friends, but like I'm, I can't respect that boundary because they're set. They're sending me these all these other signals yeah. that are but telling why me would that they we're come with me, if right? If and we're like, why would they friends. buy me a pizza? And why would they buy me drinks? And why would they do all these things if that boundary was in place? So that boundary is clearly not in place. So I don't have to respect that boundary. To answer their question, should I be insulted or not? What I would say is, it's okay to be in pain. It's okay to be hurt. It's okay to be going through mental health things. It's okay to be struggling with alcohol, but that is not anyone else's fault. That is not someone else doing that to you. You're conflating insult insult with being confronted with your problems. This person is is making you face a reality and it's a very fucking painful one. That's oh, not an insult. A thousand per- <laughs> I am a 
master of gaslighting someone who's telling me the truth about myself. (laughs) And especially around alcohol. The majority of my adult relationships that have been long-term, every single one of those partners has said, I I don't trust you drinking. I don't trust the relationship you have with drinking. And every single one, I was like, I don't trust you. (laughs) 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 Who are you to say that about me? I'm not on trial. You're on trial. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And it's like, it's taken me blowing up relationships, putting my partner in really difficult places where they are like, how do I care for you? If when I see you doing self-destructive things and say, I love you, I, I want to help you and support you, but I'm, I'm nervous and scared for both you and our relationship when you're in that yeah. state. And, and yet you just turn it around and make me the villain. So like, I get it. Like, I get that yeah. you feel There's terrible so when somebody's many. telling you like, hey, you have a problem. The one of the reasons why I stopped smoking marijuana, one of the ways, there's many reasons why, but I was lonely. I didn't have a partner. And I said to myself, what if I find someone I really want to be a partner with and they don't like the fact that I'm stoned all the time? Which I wouldn't have liked. You wouldn't have liked. Do I want that to be the reason why my next relationship doesn't work out? And and that was a big reason why I quit. Somebody saying, I don't want this or I need space or like that is incredibly important. Loving someone is really respecting that seeking to understand where that comes from and trying to support that person in their boundaries. Loving someone isn't trying to break those boundaries down and get on the other side. Yeah. When I asked you to go to therapy, initially you were not amenable. How did that make you feel? I have like a pretty big distrust over the medical industry (laughs) and comes at it from that angle. And I have a lot of issues about like safe money is safety And if I'm going to spend some of my money, that means I'm going to get rid of some of my safety. That could just be like tactical things I was using to avoid the real issues. Sort of sounds like it to me. Which is, and maybe I'm like my subconscious, I'm just not that I haven't been able to dig into it. Um, There's other things, of course, too. Like, I, I, I mean, I know there was probably, I don't remember like exactly why I was so against it, but I think there was some reasons of like, I thought it was probably going to be hard. I'm an avoider. And so like, I was going to have to stop avoiding. Like yeah. avoiding is how I've kept myself emotionally safe my whole life. It's almost like quitting alcohol and drugs is to be like, well, that thing has been my friend for so long and kept me feeling good. Now you want me to not feel good. Now you want me to not feel safe. Yeah. Um, when in reality, it just gives you a lot more tools to feel safe all the time and you don't need drugs or avoidance. And and like, that's all to say Therapy can be very challenging. Finding the right therapist can Yeah, be it's a lot of work. And, for, and I also have a lot of issues around, you know, I have tons of issues around picking up the phone, scheduling things, running into a wall, which I ran into several walls. Like s- scheduling a therapist is no joke. No one tells you how fucking hard it is. I wasn't, therapy wasn't in my household growing up. I was never taught about it until college. Even in college, I was... In the, I did a degree in behavioral science and I still was like resistant to therapy. The only time I ever went to one was my college counsel, like health clinic. They immediately told me to get on anti-anxiety medication. Pretty regularly, I was taught this is either inaccessible or not for you. And then I went through my divorce. I was in grad school. We had good like student health insurance and the clinic there had 
pre- a pretty robust suite of like therapists. Like they had like seven therapists <laughs> for this like private college, you know? And I went to one session with this therapist who within 30 minutes was like, you need to be in this chair every week for a couple of years, probably. And I, I, instead of feeling like burdened or embarrassed or hopeless, it was the first time I felt hope. You felt heard. And optimism that like, oh, like there's at least some place to go to fucking change some of this stuff. Yeah. You know, one thing that was really instrumental to me was listening to podcasts like Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard really comes to mind. Someone I feel like I have so much in common with and relate to so well. And then he is like, oh, everybody should be in therapy. It's a no brainer. And I'm like, that really, that made me way more open to it. I was really closed off to it before that. Yeah. And so I think finding your, you know, expanders, the people who you relate to that represent the way you want to live your life and like finding out what do they, what do they do for their mental health? This, this user could listen to this and be like some fucking white couple in Seattle has no fucking clue about me. And that's totally and they're right. <laughs> they're totally right about that. Find the people that you really trust in the world and, and see how they're unpacking this stuff and what they're talking about yeah. it. And so many of those people, I can promise you have been in a therapist chair at some point. It's hard stuff. Um, Let me, I I will just say this, because this was such a long question, I will say we aren't going to go to the Redditors today. The Redditors were on our side. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. There wasn't a ton of discourse that was- (laughs) I'm sure the Redditors were. Particularly enlightening, but at minimum, what does it hurt to go to a therapist? Okay, the TLDR. Yes. Seeing a therapist seems like a very valuable use of your time. (laughs) Therapy is not for crazy people. It's for all people. Irrespective of what challenges you're facing, therapy can help. What will not help is drinking. (laughs) Drinking is incredibly effective at increasing feelings of anxiety and depression. If that's what you're struggling with, reducing or removing alcohol is an important step. Finally, this guy has set some clear boundaries for this relationship, and it may not feel good to be on the other side of them. But boundaries are incredibly important in successful relationships. Find out what yours are and learn to communicate them in a healthy way. And it'll be easier for you to accept others. I heard someone say that alcohol is is, bo- is borrowing <laughs> from tomorrow's fun. Sure. I would also say like alcohol is borrowing from tomorrow's mental mental that's health. So, I mean, that's yes. Like if you a don't want to. F- if you if you think alcohol is going to make you stop feeling depressed today, you're borrowing that from probably the next week, honestly, if we're being completely honest. And as you get older, my experience has been that, yeah, I would borrow my mental stability. You know, I would take a Friday and a Saturday night and borrow from Sunday and Monday, and then it would go from a Friday and Saturday night to Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And then it was a week and then it was a week and a half. And then it was just like, hey, I don't really know where the end of this and the beginning of the next I don't is. Feel, I don't feel anything but depression when I'm not drinking. So it's a hard one. I'm really, I, my heart goes out to this person. I think um, this experiment with answering questions on Reddit has been super illuminating. It's yeah. one of those things where I- We went into this as a dating podcast and we came out the other side as a mental health podcast. (laughs) It's just like go to therapy, everyone hashtag therapy. 
but I do think what I, I we're not experts. We are fresh out of them in this. It room. says so in the title, people. And neither are the redditors. It gives me a lot of hope for humanity that well, redditors actually give some pretty damn good advice. They do. They really they tend to even in their own their own worldview like get some meta perspective and say like yeah like we i'm still there too but like i also think that the best yeah. thing to do is i'm there too but i'm like one step ahead of you and yeah. trust me you want to be, be going my way and not the other or way. even just like this perspective like not yeah. being in my own bullshit is giving me a little bit of perspective and like you should go do the right thing people are bringing a lot of really intense questions to reddit i mean it's good that it exists though like just think if you were back in the day when you were super people were obviously very isolated and had nowhere to, to, to ask these questions. Maybe they would be asking their friends and family. I don't know, but I do know that it's, it's often, these are also, or they'd be asking nobody. I mean, I know. And it's also, it's all of this stuff, dating relationships and love. It's a pretty sensitive, vulnerable place to be in. We're grateful that we are getting to hear what people are going through. And I think we've been through most all of it ourselves. hundred percent. So if you liked season one of fresh out of experts, Fresh out of. Fresh out of experts. Uh, let us know. You can write to us at fresh out of experts at narrowest.news. It'll be in the show notes. And you can find. If you have any questions that you want answered on sure, the show, please write to us. Or if you have some real counterpoints, if you're like, I completely disagreed with your TLDR. This is what this person should be doing. Yeah, we want to hear that. Just like you. Maybe just keep those to yourself. <laughs> That's what Glennon Doyle always says. Um, <laughs> or if you want to find us on social, we're at Narrowest. And yeah, maybe we'll be back for season two. We should do this again. We'll see if we'll do this again. We should do this again. Fresh Out of Experts is a production of Narrowest, a website exploring what makes podcasting similar to and deeply different from what came before. You can find more about the show at narrowest.news and at narrowest on social. That's N-A-R-R-O-W-I-S-T. Our theme music is Only Knows, and additional music is If, both courtesy of Broke for Free. If you enjoy Fresh Out of Experts, please subscribe, rate, or review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does make a difference. See you next time.